haunted mayhem. It's spooky Halloween, and you've stopped by for the right treat on Haunted Mayhem. Today, me, your host, Brenda Nicole, hey, will be telling you some haunting facts about Halloween. I'm pretty excited. I mean, it is my favorite time of year and all. Speaking of which, I did get kind of a shocker this weekend. Um, You know when somebody gives you a gift and you're like, are you about to kill me or what? Because like, you know, they love you, but they really just don't do things unless it's like a holiday or like they have to, or they feel obligated to society makes them feel obligated to. But then when they do like a whole like left turn thing and it's like, this is awesome. What's the catch? Yeah. That's my husband. I love him dearly. But he's not one to just, oh, I saw this and I thought of you and thought I would do it. Um, so this weekend when him and my kids got me an adult boo basket, I was kind of blown away. Um, and it's super, super sweet, obviously. But it like had my favorite cheese dip in it and with some chips and Halloween socks and a candle and some other little goodies with a note that said, we appreciate that. We appreciate everything you do, boo, with ghost stickers all over it. I mean, super sweet because they know it's my favorite and it made my spooky little heart smile. I just hope they know now that, you know, they have done this, they have set the bar for next Halloween. So I hope they stay on their toes because if you can do it once, you can do it thrice. Okay, I really just wanted to say thrice. I love that word. But you can do it from now on, right? Right. So, yeah, they kind of done that to themselves. And now that I know he can kind of think like that and think like, oh, this is her favorite holiday and I'm not, I don't have to get her a gift, but I'm going to get her a gift. I'm going to be like nudging that little elbow a little bit more and being like, hey, babe, look, it's not my birthday, but look at that. That's pretty cool see if that works. I doubt it, but you know, one can hope. So let's see what else has been going on Halloween related. Oh yeah. I hosted my first speaky girls night this past weekend. That was pretty fun. Um, we each made like a, a Halloween themed pizza, which was fun and creative because we got to pick like a character or a decoration of some sort that was Halloween related and make a pizza. I actually found the idea on TikTok as one does. But anyway, we had like a ghost face pizza, a headstone, a ghost, a pumpkin, a monster, a haunted house. That was me. And a full moon with the pumpkin face. Um, then we did some movies that was filled with so much laughter as we got through the jump scares and creepy moments. And it was an all around good time. So I hadn't done like anything girls naughty in a long time. And that was, that was truly fun getting together with whether you're male or female, just getting together with your little group of people and relaxing and just having fun is what it's about. Right. I mean, 
love spooky stories, love writing, love my kids, but just getting to just relax and laugh. That's where it's at, right? Um, oh, yes. Now, the big event. Halloween night. That is today. It's the biggest night of events. What do you do to celebrate Halloween? If you celebrate it at all, it's okay if you don't. Some people don't. Some people don't celebrate Christmas. Some people don't celebrate things. But if you do celebrate Halloween, what are you doing? Uh, me and my husband plan on going for a hayride with fa other family members as we take the kids trick or treating. And as per tradition, we hit the local Mexican restaurant because they put on a fantastic Day of the Dead show um, as they're taking your order and stuff. And then, you know, we'll come home and settle down with a horror movie. So it's going to be fun, although cold, which I'm not thrilled about. But, you know, winter is here. It ran fall smooth over and said, move, bitch. And it barreled its way through the dang door. So not ready, but what do you do? Here we are. Yay. It's flipping cold. Um, all right, let's jump over to the recommendations corner. Recent book. Guess what? There's not one. I'm really hoping to get more reading done in November with, you know, now that writing's done and it's just kind of a time when I really just take time out for family and really vacation from deadlines and things like that. So hopefully there'll be more reading done. Um, mostly right now it's just been studying psychology and business, and that's a whole different podcast that we're not going to touch here, but it is what it is. We did over the weekend, me and my husband watched Yeti Massacre. If you have not watched it and you love conspiracy theories and murders and all that stuff, I highly recommend it. Um, like back in 1959, 56, somewhere, I don't exactly remember the year, there were a group of hikers in Russia that went missing. When they finally found them, they could not explain what happened. The, the, all, their deaths was, it was all a mystery. They were scattered throughout the forest. Some were missing their tongues, hearts exploded, rib cages cracked. It was, it was totally bizarre. They were barefoot. Um, they had cut the, their tent was cut from the inside out. Like they were trying to get out. Um, it's just a lot of bizarre facts and then theories. So no one knows what happened. They can take all the evidence that they have and speculate all day long as one does. But what is the actual facts? Like what actually happened? Um, and, and the theories that they give you, there was like a total of eight or nine. I mean, they had good points for each of them. So honestly, it comes down to personal opinion. Um, but give it, a, give it a watch, you know, do some research on, on the hikers. It is fascinating. Um, we actually got in a little debate at the end of it. So it's always fun to watch it with somebody so you can debate. Obviously, I mean, like, I missed my chance at being like a lawyer or a politician or something. Because I can debate all day long. You want to go? Let's go. 
Um, so what's happening on the Once Upon Podcast Corner, you may be asking. If not, I'm going to tell you anyway, so like whatever. On Unpaused Live, join the ladies as they play a round of Never Have I Ever to see just how daring we are. That is one of my fun favorite games to play. Seriously. Uh, it's a classic. Never Have I Ever. Um, I play it with my students. I play it with friends. I play it with my kids. It's just fun. Um, in the bonus episode of Starlight Tea, Belinda and Christy are excited to be serving the tea on the next turn of the wheel of the year and high holiday. Sawin. They'll be talking about why this is such an important and significant festival and celebration, as well as how we can make the most of this potent ancestral energy. Love it. All right, it's time to shift gears and move on to why we are here. The murder and the mayhem that followed. <gasps> Except for dum, 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 this week, we are going to dive. We aren't going to dive into a murder. Mm. Oh, no, 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 no. We are diving into all things Halloween. Get ready for all the spooky fun facts. All right. So today we're going to be talking about Halloween. It's origins, meaning, and all the historical fun facts. But so my sources today are from history.com. Um, I'm actually going to be reading an article written by Erica Simone. Um, I was going to write my own, but she kind of like knocks it out the park. So I'm just going to read her history of Halloween article and be throwing in some commentary and stuff. But um, she like narrows it down to the ancient history of Halloween. Um, you know, what this means, what this means, how it came to America. So she really narrows it down for us and done an amazing job. Um, so shout out to Erica on history.com. Another thing I also would like to point out, <clears throat> because... I heard this this morning. So I'm from the South. I live in Arkansas. People say stuff how it's generally spelt. Okay. Or unless somebody else corrects them. So the word Samhain is actually the festival of Halloween. The original name of the festival of Halloween. Um, but you might not have ever heard it said that way. Um, it's spelt S A M H A I N. So I've heard it called salmon, <laughs> like salmon, but like, no, I've heard it called Samayan again. No. So like I said, sometimes people, it's not just a South thing. I'm sure there's people all over the world. This is what it looks like. This is how I'm going to say it if I don't know how to say it. Uh, it's kind of like when you're reading a book and a character has a name and you're like, oh, this is how you say that character's name. And then you go, you hear the author online doing a live or you might meet them in person or see them on the TV and they say the character's name and you're like, oh, hoo -hoo, that's not what 
it's in my head, but okay. Thanks for that correction. So the word Samhain, S-A-M-H-A-I-N is how Americans pronounce it. Now in the British pronunciation, pronunciation, it's son, like, like son, S-O, it's almost like S-O-W-N. But for our purpose of this podcast, I'm going to be saying Sawin. So now that we have that clear in the woods, um, let's dive into some fun facts. All right. As we know, Halloween is celebrated each year on October 31st. And this year, it takes place on a Tuesday. The ancient history of Halloween. Halloween's origins date back to the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. The Celts, who lived 2,000 years ago, mostly in the area that is now Ireland, the United Kingdom, and Northern France, celebrated their new year on November 1st. This day marked the end of summer and the harvest and the beginning of the dark, cold winter, a time of year that was often associated with human death. Celts believed that on the night before the new year, the boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred. On the night of October 31st, they celebrated Samhain, when it was believed that the ghosts of the dead returned to earth. In addition to causing trouble and damaging crops, Celts thought that the presence of the otherworldly spirits made it easier for the Druids, or Celtic priests, to make predictions about the future. For a people entirely dependent on the volatile natural world, these prophecies were an important source of comfort during the long, dark winter. And I can feel that long, dark winter coming on. I am not looking forward to daylight savings time. We just need to do away with that. What is wrong with it getting dark in the winter at like 630, not five? I'm just saying, like, I would like to come home and not feel like I have to go to bed, but the, you know, anyway, oh, where's that? Okay. To commemorate the event, Druids built huge sacred bonfires where the people gathered to burn crops and animals as sacrifices to the Celtic deities. Okay. Pause. So I get it. You know, you want to make people happy. And I know we live in a different time, but what is it with the sacrificing of stuff? Like, why, why do people feel like they got to sacrifice things to gods? Like, and, and if gods want sacrifice, why, what, why do you want to sacrifice? Like, what is that? What does that even mean? Like, you can go get any goat and be like, here, I'm going to sacrifice. And I know it holds meaning, but like, couldn't we have done something else? Like, I don't know. And why are we burning crops? Like, why did they feel compelled to burn the very food that they needed when they were already scared they weren't going to make it? I'm just like, that's confusing. And I know, I know, and you can send me an email to correct me. I know that's how they believed it was part of their faith, but like why? So, you know, and like, don't become like sacrificing stuff. Who, who? wants to watch a goat burn or like, you know, when they used to, when they used to sacrifice virgins, why, why are we sacrificing these people? Like, stop it. Anyway, 
just when I hear the word sacrifice, I'm like, ah, cringe. Okay. During the celebration, the Celts wore costumes, typically consisting of animal heads and skins, fun, and attempted to tell each other's fortunes. When the celebration was over, they relit their health fire, hearth fires, which they had extinguished earlier that evening from the sacred bonfire to help protect them during the coming winter. Hmm. Fun. By AD 43, the Roman Empire had conquered the majority of Celtic territory. And the course of the 400 years that they ruled the Celtic lands, two festivals of Roman origin were combined with the traditional Celtic celebration of Samhain. The first was Feralia, a day in late October when the Romans traditionally commemorated the passing of the dead. The second was a day to honor Pomona, the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. The symbol of Pomona is the apple, and in the incorporation of this celebration into Samhain probably explains the tradition of bobbing for apples that is practiced today on Halloween. Well, was practice. I mean, let's not bob for apples anymore. Like now when I think about it, my childhood was so nasty. <laughs> and I even let my kids, I've got pictures of where I've let my kids bob for apples. And, and now like after COVID and stuff, you're like, was I trying to kill them? Were my parents trying to kill me? What were we thinking? But so don't, don't, no, no more bobbing for apples. That's not sanitary. Anyway, All Saints Day. On May 13th, AD 609, Pope Boniface dedicated the Pantheon in Rome in honor of all Christian martyrs, and the Catholic Feast of All Martyrs Day was established in the Western Church. Pope Gregory III later expanded the festival to include all saints as well as all, all martyrs and moved the observance from May 13th to November 1st. By the 19th century, the influence of Christianity had spread into Celtic lands where it gradually blended with a supplemented older Celtic rite. In AD 1000, the church made November 2nd All Souls Day a day to honor the dead. It's widely believed today that the church was attempting to replace the Celtic Festival of the Dead with a related church-sanctioned holiday. All Souls Day was celebrated to summarily to Samhain with big bonfires, parades, and dressing up in costumes as saints, angels, and devils. The All Saints Day celebration was also called All Hallows or All Hamas. And the night before it, the traditional night of Samhain in the Celtic religion began to be called All Hallows Eve and eventually Halloween. So it goes way, way back, right? Whoop, way back in there. So how did it get to America? Like, how did we start doing it here? Well, I'm going to tell you. The celebration of Halloween was extremely limited in colonial New England because of the rigid Protestant belief systems there. And if we all remember, like, the Salem witch trials and da-da-da-da, they were pretty strict. So Halloween was much more common in Maryland and the southern colonies. As the beliefs and customs of different European ethnic groups and the American Indians meshed, a distinctly American version of Halloween began to emerge. The first celebrations included play parties, which were public events held to celebrate the harvest. 
Neighbors would share stories of the dead, tell each other's fortunes, dance, and sing. Hmm, sounds familiar. Colonial Halloween festivities also featured the telling of ghost stories and mischief-making of all kinds. By the middle of the 19th century, annual autumn festivities were common, but Halloween was not yet celebrated everywhere in the country. In the second half of the 19th century, America was flooded with new immigrants. These immigrants, especially the millions of Irish fleeing the Irish potato famine, helped to popularize the celebration of Halloween nationally. And that's where the history of trick-or-treating comes in. Borrowing from European traditions, Americans began to dress up in costumes and go house to house asking for food or money, a practice that eventually became today's trick-or-treat tradition. Young women believed that on Halloween, they could divine the name or appearance of their future husband by doing tricks with yarn, apple parings, or mirrors. In the late 1800s, there was a move in America to mold Halloween into a holiday more about community and neighborly get-togethers than about ghosts, pranks, and witchcraft. At the turn of the century, Halloween parties for both children and adults became the most common way to celebrate the day. Parties focused on games, foods of the season, and festive costumes. Parents were encouraged by newspapers and community leaders to take anything frightening or grotesque out of Halloween celebrations. Because of these efforts, Halloween lost most of its superstitious and religious overtones by the beginning of the 20th century. By the 1920s and 1930s, Halloween had become a secular but community-centered holiday with parades and town-wide Halloween parties as a featured entertainment. Despite the best efforts of many schools and communities, vandal- vandalism began to plague some cele- celebrations in many communities during this time. So see guys, vandalism goes back to the 20s. I mean, it's not just the kids of today. By the 1950s, town leaders had successfully limited vandalism and Halloween had evolved into a holiday directed mainly at the young. Due to the high number of young children during the 50s baby boom, parties moved from town civic centers into a classroom or home where they could be more easily accommodated. Between 1920 and 1950, the centuries-old practice of trick-or-treating was also revived. Trick-or-treating was a relatively inexpensive way for an entire community to share the Halloween celebration. In theory, families could also prevent tricks being played on them by providing the neighborhood children with small treats. Thus, a new American tradition was born, and it has continued to grow. Today, Americans spend an estimated $6 billion annually on Halloween, making it the country's second largest commercial holiday after Christmas. And then, of course, you know, we have all of our Halloween movies with the biggest franchise starting in 1978 with the Halloween franchise. Um, I actually got my kids to watch the new one. Uh, well, the, you know, the 2018 Halloween this past week and it was pretty good. I forgot how good it was. Then there's the All Souls Day and Souls Cakes. The American Halloween tradition of trick-or-treating probably dates back to the early All Souls Day parades in England. During the festivities, poor citizens would beg for food and families would give them pastries called soul cakes 
in return for their promise to pray for the family's dead relatives. Well, that's pretty good. So that was like another trick or treat thing. Um, so if you've never looked at like the costumes of like the early 1900s or like even the late 1800s, like you should go look at some of them. Um, it's kind of crazy. So like there are some like, you know, there's the witch's hat with the pointed little, uh, hats and the cute little dresses and then you've got some people who are actually wearing like real dead cat faces like their cats died and then you've got like ugly paper bags and you've got creepy like clowns it, it's just it's totally different than what we've seen what we usually see today and to me it's a lot creepier, like a lot creepier. Cause you're, and I don't know if it's cause it's a black and white or what, but I'm like, Oh my God. Um, yeah, th that would scare like ghost face of right off the block. Y'all, um, he'd be like, skit, skit, skeeter, skeeter. Okay. So here are some less known rituals about Halloween. Um, many of these, rituals focused on the future instead of the past and the living instead of the dead. In particular, many had to do with helping young women identify their future husbands and reassuring them that they would someday with luck by next Halloween be married. Oh my God. In 18th century Ireland, a matchmaking cook might bury a ring in her mashed potatoes on Halloween night, hoping to bring true love to the diner who found it. Oh, Lord, now I wouldn't be eating no potatoes on Halloween. Um, in Scotland, fortune tellers recommended that an eligible young woman name a hazelnut for each of her suitors and then toss the nuts into the fireplace. The nut that burned to ashes rather than popping or exploding as the story went rep represented the girl's future husband. Hmm. In some versions of this legend, the opposite was true. The nut that burned what away symbolized a love that would not last. That kind of makes more sense to me. But if you know of this, um, let me know because interesting. Um, another tale had it that if a young woman ate a sugary concoction made out of walnuts, hazelnuts, and nutmeg before bed on a Halloween night, she would dream about her future husband. Young women tossed apple peels over their shoulders, hoping that the peels would fall on the floor in the shape of their future husband's initials. Fun. They also tried to learn about their futures by peering at egg yolks floating in a bowl of water and stood in front of mirrors in darkened corners, holding candles and looking over their shoulders for their husband's faces. Creepy. Other rituals were more competitive. At some Halloween parties, the first guest to find a burr on a chestnut hunt would be the first to marry. At others, the first successful apple bobber would be the first down the aisle. Of course, whether we're asking for romantic advice or trying to avoid seven years of bad luck, each one of these Halloween superstitions relies on the goodwill of the very same spirits whose presence the, who who presents the early Celts felt so keenly. So, I mean, there you have it. Like, there is 
the origins of Halloween and how it has morphed from these things to these things, back to these things, and the creepy... I mean, I know that they used to be pretty keen on marriage, so I guess you can... the All the stuff about marriage makes sense. Okay. So let's switch gears to your hometown haunts. But except, uh uh-uh, another twist. This week we aren't doing hometown haunts. What? (gasps) I thought it would be fun instead to do a fun history on this day fact check. What big things happened on Halloween that some people claim is creepy and not at all coincidental? Well, let me tell you about it. Okay, so while a number of murders and crimes have taken place on Halloween, obviously, which is so sad, um, a variety of less violent but equally eerie events have also coincidentally unfolded on this holiday. So what are they? Well, for one, fame illusionist Harry Houdini died on Halloween in 1926 after suffering a ruptured appendix. Though to some, the story surrounding his death is shrouded in mystery. Following one of the famous magician's final performances in 1926, Houdini suffered an injury that led to his death. Houdini was teaching students in Montreal a series of tricks and mentioned that his stomach muscles were so strong they could withstand punches without injury. A student then reportedly hit him over the appendix twice without warning, and while he felt fine immediately after, he later complained of pain and collapsed right after the curtain fell at his next show. Physicians confirmed that the student's punches caused Houdini's appendix to burst and poison his system. He died on October 31st. To this day, rumors cloud Houdini's death as some claim that he was murdered by spiritualist. This is a religion that he continuously tried to debunk. So, religious battle maybe? Hmm. All right. On Halloween Eve in 1938, people tuning in to CBS radio heard an unsettling announcement that Martians had invaded New Jersey which created mass hysteria. And let me tell you, if you have not, if you know someone who was alive in 1938, ask them about this night. I have heard some of the craziest stories from elderly people in my area who remember this night so epically. And like, I kind of wish I would have been there for myself. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm fixing to tell you. The night before Halloween in 1938, listeners to CBS radio had their programming interrupted with an odd message. Martians have invaded New Jersey. It was a radio play. War of the Worlds. Led by actor, writer, and director Orson Welles and a group of radio actors. However, few actually knew it was a play, resulting in plenty of people spiraling into a panic over an alien invasion. And you got to think, this was how people, like, got their, I mean, 
communications and entertainment. There was no TV. There was no internet, obviously. Some didn't even have power. Um, but they had the radio. Um, radios were, you know, if you could afford one, you know, you get a signal. The same stuff was on worldwide. Nobody knew they were going to do this. Um, and there were 12 million people listening when War of the Worlds came on the air. And about one in every 12 listeners thought it was true. So you want to talk about panic. Um, there was a lot of, of panic. And if you never heard anyone tell you a story, if you've never heard about this, you should really, really, really look it up. Um, I kind of get a chuckle out of it and people who live through it get a chuckle out of it. But it seriously was like, if this was to happen, here's kind of a glimpse of how it would go down. Like if aliens were really to invade and we just got like a breaking news, this kind of panic is what, what we get. So, yay. Um, so yeah, in 1981, a murder on Halloween morning happened inside a Manhattan home. Nothing unusual, right? I mean, murders happen every day, especially on Halloween. But here's the thing that makes this one spooky. The exact murder had been predicted by an infamous serial killer. That's right. David Berkowitzi. I should have looked up that name. Son of Sam. Okay, Son of Sam. There we go. Ooh. Um, remember how earlier in the podcast I said, like, looking at the names, and I know that's probably not how that sounds, so son of Sam, I can go with that. He was incarcerated in the Attica Correctional Facility in upstate New York, the Supermax prison, when he predicted a murder. Written off as just a made-up story, nobody listened to him until his exact prediction played out. On the early morning of Halloween in 1981, while staying in their Manhattan home, 39-year-old Ronald Sisman and 20-year-old Elizabeth Platzman were beaten and shot to death. According to Reader's Digest, Son of Sam had described a cult carrying out this massacre and even described the exact apartment layout to a T. It is unclear if Son of Sam's prediction was merely a coincidence. And to this day, the murder remains unsolved so there's a cold case to look into and like how did he know like how did he know that was going to happen weird it's fine tingling okay now this one kind of cheeses me off because this affected my childhood all right on halloween in 1974 eight-year-old timothy o'brien ate poison candy killing him and the culprit had an eerie motive this like screwed my child up my childhood up so much y'all and it all started right here probably screwed your childhood up too and still to this day you're, you look at your own kids and you're like should i let them eat that probably not all because of this jackass and his need for money so according to reader's digest timothy o'brien began snacking on his candy after a night of trick-or-treating in deer park texas as one does however his candy had been poisoned and O'Brien sadly passed away. To make this nightmare even worse though, it was his own father who had poisoned him. Seeing it as a perfect opportunity to cash in on his son's life insurance, 
You freaking piece of shit. Ugh. You are, ugh, you have ruined so many people's childhood. I mean, like, my mom, if she even saw me sneaking a piece of candy because we hadn't checked it yet, I was getting slapped side to side, cheek to cheek. I mean, like, candy was getting taken away from me. Yeah, it was not fun. So, do not, well, mm -mm, we ain't sneaking no candy. And um, I know my kids snuck candy, and I didn't slap them around, but... He planted that fear of, and then, you know, there was other fears after that. So he also rooted the idea and we got the fear of poison candy on Halloween. How fun. Well, there you go, folks. There you have some Halloween haunting facts to keep you warm through the night tonight. I hope you've enjoyed this special edition episode. Until next time, friends. Bye. Haunted Mayhem.